0: today as we think about this advent season as we think about god's word listen to these verses i'm going to read to you psalm 46 verse 1 god is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble i just want to encourage you if you're if you're facing trouble today whatever the trouble may be could be from the storm could be from another storm that you're experiencing in life i pray that you'll realize that god is available he is present And he is also your refuge and your strength. Run to him, don't run from him. Trust him. Another verse that I find great comfort in is Psalm 121, beginning in verse one. It says, I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Whatever your storm is today, whatever you're going through, I pray you will lift up your eyes to the hills. You'll recognize where your help comes from, and it comes from the Lord. Because of his goodness, his grace, and his mercy, he is there to help you if you will turn your heart to him because he made heaven and earth. Run to him. Let me give you another one today out of Lamentations chapter 3 as we think about God's Word. You think about storms, adversities, difficult times in life, difficult seasons in life. Here's what it was. There was been afflictions, there had been storms. And the writer says, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. There are people in our midst today who need hope. How's this going to turn out? How are we going to move forward? What does this mean? Why did God allow this to happen? How's this going to be turned around for good? Is this going to be a Romans 8:28 moment? He says, but I remember this. I call this to mind. Therefore, I have hope. And here's what he's talking about. Beginning in verse 22 of Lamentations 3, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. No matter how strong the storm is, what it is, Almighty God never stops loving you and me. His love is steadfast. It also goes on to say his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. The storm was for a night, but joy comes in the morning. His mercies, when you opened your eyes this morning and you were able to get out of bed and you made your way here, he's given you breath and life. You realize the mercies of God are great. His mercies are new every single morning. Thank God for his mercy. And then this great, hymn that we often sing, and then it says, great is your faithfulness. Doesn't make any difference how bad the storm was, how much damage, we know this, that God's steadfast love is sure, his mercies were new this morning, and great is the faithfulness of our heavenly father. He will always be faithful to you and me. When I think about traveling in Israel, again, one of the favorite places for me to travel is the Sea of Galilee area and you find yourself on a on a boat on the sea of Galilee and you recall mark chapter 4 the disciples are in the boat. They're going to the other side. A major, major storm comes up without any warning whatsoever. They thought they were gonna die. They thought they were gonna drown. Life was coming to an end and they cry out to the Lord for help because he's asleep in the boat. The good news is he was in the boat and he woke up and he spoke to that storm and just said, peace be still. And what, when they thought they were gonna live their lives, all of a sudden it was calmness on the sea of Galilee. Why? Because Jesus was aware and Jesus was in the boat even though we faced devastating storms in our city and region yesterday into the night last night loss of life significant damage much repair moving forward lots need to take place but here's the good news jesus is aware of the storm he is in the boat with you and me and he can give us calmness and peace and hope in the midst of our storms he has not changed Hebrews chapter 13 says what Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever. And if he did that on the sea of Galilee, he'll do that in Clarksville, Tennessee. He'll do it in middle Tennessee. He'll do it wherever people have storms at because Jesus has authority and power over the storms that we experience in life. He's all powerful, bad news and really bad news. Man with his doctor one day and, and, um, Just knew something wasn't right. The doctor put him through all sorts of tests and he accomplished those tests. And so just a day or so had passed. And the doctor's office called this man and said, If your wife and you could come in, the doctor wants to meet with you. And so he goes in with his wife. They are directed back to a consulting room. The doctor comes in and the doctor said, Thank you for coming in so quickly. And the doctor said, I've got bad news and really bad news. Which one do you want first? And the gentleman thought for a moment, he said, Well, what is the bad news? And the doctor said, the bad news is you have 24 hours to live. Well, he was shocked. And so after he gathered himself, took him a few moments. He said, well, if that's bad news, what is the really bad news? And the doctor said, I should have called you yesterday. (laughs) Bad news and really bad news. What do you do when you have bad news? Where do you find yourself? Where do you put your hope when you have really, really bad news? Church, I want you to lean into what I'm getting ready to say today because this is the foundation of this message. When you find yourself dealing with bad news and really bad news, where do you find hope at? Where is the foundation of your life? Where do you say this is going to be okay? This is going to be a Romans 8:28 moment. Where do you find that kind of hope and direction as you move forward in the midst of storms? Lean into the statement. I would encourage you today in this room and those who are watching, wherever you may be at never put your hope in politics. I would encourage you today, never put your hope in a sports team. Never put your hope in the economy. No matter what your adversity, no matter what your storm, no matter what you find yourself going through, always put your hope in Jesus Christ. Put your hope in him. And why do I say that? Because Jesus left heaven and he came to this earth and took on human flesh. He lived a perfect sinless life. He was crucified on an old rugged cross, shed his blood, buried in a tomb. But the good news is on this Sunday, but on Resurrection Sunday then, the tomb was empty. Jesus Christ is alive. And if he can overcome death in the grave which he has, then our hope always needs to be in the Son of God and the Savior of the world. Never in a politician, never in a sports team, never in the economy. Always the foundation, the solid rock who is Jesus Christ himself. Trust him. This morning I shared in our prayer time, I got up this morning, three songs the Lord had just put on my heart today. One is amazing grace. Thank the Lord. His grace is still amazing on this Sunday. The other is a solid rock. Let's don't build our lives on the sand. Let's build our lives on the rock, who is the Lord Jesus. And then 10,000 reasons. The sun comes up. It's a new day dawning. It's time for our souls to sing praise unto the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. He is worthy for us to worship him today. Bless him. And so as we walk through this, we think about hope again. Where do we find hope? Well, it's in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me ask you this. What do you do when you're hopeless in life? I would imagine there are people today in our city. They feel like their world has just caved in and they don't have much hope today. What do you do when you're hopeless? What do you do when you think no one cares? No one's going to come to help us. No one's going to meet our needs. I don't know how this is going to work out. What do you do when purpose missing in life? What do you do with those things? And I would imagine in this room, and I imagine we have family members and others in our community, they look at it in their lives, look hopeless. They look at life and feel hopeless. They look at their marriage and feel hopeless. They look at their kids, feel hopeless. They look at their family and feel hopeless. They look at their finances and just seem hopeless. They look at their futures, feel hopeless. They look at their job, feel hopeless. They even look at eternity and feel hopeless. Well, what do you do if you feel hopeless? What do you do when, when there's no one seems to care? What do you do when things are missing? Where do you find yourselves looking to? And that's going to be the foundation of the Christmas story in this message. One of the things I, I do as a pastor, I still visit hospitals. I like to make hospital visits, pastoral care to people. I can't even begin to tell you how many times I walk up and down hospital hallways and I see people in rooms or waiting rooms or wherever it may be. And I often wonder, I wonder, do those people have hope? I mean, their loved one is suffering, their loved one's going through a very difficult time. Is there hope in that person's life? So what do we do as pastors? Some people wonder, well, we do pastoral care. A friend of mine, again, pastors a pretty large church and uh, there was several thousand people. And so his daughter was working for DoorDash and so he wanted to ride with her one time. So he gets in the car and she's making deliveries. And so they go to a restaurant and they need to pick up an order to be able to take to somebody. So he said to his daughter, instead of you going in, let me go in and get the order, and that way we'll be ready to go. So he goes into the restaurant, and he says he's picking up an order. And so the lady in the restaurant says to him, wow, I can't believe you are my pastor. I'm there every Sunday. I always wonder what my pastor did during the week. Uh, she thought he was working for DoorDash. We don't work for DoorDash. But, but he was there with his daughter. So what do we do? Well, we minister to people. But how many people look at life and oftentimes just wonder, is there any hope for my life? Let's walk through. Take your outline with me today. Number one, hope. The foundation is God's activity. As you think about hope, I want you to write these three words down. There are three areas of hope that I want you to focus on. Here's some foundation stuff. Sometimes we look at and there's wishful hope is number one wishful hope is you know i sure when i go to that department store i hope there's a parking spot Uh, i had that experience one time there was a gentleman in our church and and i won't give his name but he was a tough guy and uh, he was having heart surgery and so i knew the pastoral thing the right thing to do he wasn't a super big fan of ours and And so forth, but I knew the right thing to do was to visit him in the hospital that morning. So early in the morning, still dark, I'm driving over to the hospital and I'm having a conversation with the Lord on the way to the hospital to say, Lord, now, if I get to the hospital and there's no parking space at all, I just can't make that visit today. And so I'm trying to reason this away as I go along and you know how the Lord works. You know what he's going to do. So I pull in the hospital parking lot and guess what? There's a parking space right at the entrance of the front door of the hospital. And so, but wishful hope. Sometimes we say, "I hope, hope, I hope the food's good. I hope I get a parking space. Hope they got a sale on." That's just wishful hope. That's not based upon what God's word is teaching us. Second form of hope is expectant hope. Uh, we we have certain expectations in life. If you plant a rose bush at the right time, you expect in due time what happens? You're going to have roses. That's expectant hope. And so we live our lives with, with wishful hope at times. We live our lives with expectant hope. But I want you to focus on this third foundation of hope. And here's what it is. It is anchored hope. I want you to think, listen to this verse out of Hebrews chapter 6. The Bible says here it's impossible for God to lie. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. And then he says this in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Hope, the foundation is God's activity, but do you have anchored hope? Don't go through your life with wishful hope. Don't go through your life with merely expectant hope. Go through your life with anchored hope. He says again, we have this as sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. What is that? That is the sacrifice and the hope we have in Christ. Live your life on a foundation that your hope is based on anchored hope. And again, his name is Jesus. The foundation matters. So if you live your life... Make sure you focus in on the foundation. When I do premarital counseling with people, when I do weddings with folks, I want to be very biblical, very practical, teach them how to, how to have a Christian marriage and live a Christian lives. And so I talk to them a lot about making sure when, when you look at your marriage, make sure you have the foundation right. Because they're talking about apartments or they're going to buy a house and they're going to do all these other things. And I say, but here's the thing. When you go in and you look at a house and you start looking at you're looking at the paint color. You're looking at the light fixtures. You're looking at the countertops. You're looking at all this stuff. But how many of you walk in to a house that you're going to buy and you focus on the foundation? No one hardly ever does that. You walk in and think, you know, I don't know about the light fixtures and the paint or the carpet, but the foundation of this house is incredible. But I'm saying, but you need to focus on the foundation of your marriage because I promise you this, in your life, but also in your marriage, storms are going to come. It's not if, it's when. Storms are gonna come. And so you can have all the best light fixtures and paint and carpet, all that stuff, and then the house crumble, but you've gotta make sure you focus on the foundation of your life and on your marriage. Hope the foundation, as we see in in Matthew chapter one, is God's activity. Let me give you these. Number one, what is his activity? Is the birth of his son. I mean, I've had many, many parents say to me, the birth of a child changed their lives. And I would absolutely agree with that. Do you realize the birth of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he left heaven and he took on human flesh, not only did that change the world, but that changed our lives as well. Hope is based on God's activity. One is the birth of His Son. The person of Jesus Christ has changed the world. He's changing our lives, and He'll change people even after us. It is the work of Almighty God, the birth of His Son. Number two is the movement of His Spirit. The Bible says here in Matthew chapter 1, we're talking about the birth of Christ, but also we see the presence and movement of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was at work in the lives of Mary and Joseph. Again, they had the appearance of doing something wrong, but there was nothing wrong in the relationship. It was the movement and the work of the Holy Spirit. When you lie and look at John's Gospel, and here's what we read about the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is the comforter, the Holy Spirit is a helper. The Bible promised that Jesus was going to send the helper and the comforter to you and me. That's the Holy Spirit. He lives his life in and through us. The Bible also says the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. The Holy Spirit guides us in life. The Holy Spirit reminds us. The Holy Spirit opens and closes doors. We are dependent on the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And so when you look at the Christmas story, you see the birth of the son, but the movement of his spirit. And if you and I are going to have hope then we need to realize this, yes, we trust the Lord Jesus Christ. He is God's son, savior of the world. And we are dependent upon the movement and the leadership of the Holy Spirit in life. As your pastor, I am absolutely dependent on the leadership of the Holy Spirit in ministry lord how do i pray how do i study how do i serve how do i preach i need the leadership of the holy spirit today i was going to be preaching about joy i just sensed when i woke up this morning the holy spirit wanted me to preach on hope instead of joy and so our hope is what it is god's activity number two hope the drama is god's plan As you look at this text, you see what's the drama here? You see the story, the drama in life. There's just a lot of drama in life. I guarantee you this. If you watch many Hallmark movies, something is going to be consistent in every single one of them. Somewhere about three-quarters of the way into the movie, there is some aspect of drama going to take place. The big city boy is coming back, and the guy in the flannel shirt's got a little competition. There's all sorts of drama going on in a Hallmark movie. That's just the way it works. But the guy in the flannel shirt is always going to get the lady. It just works out that way. But but there's just drama in life. And so when you look at the Christmas story, you've got Mary and Joseph. Their relationship has been pure in the sight of God. And here's what happened. All of a sudden, Mary announces one day that she is expecting a baby. Drama is God's plan. I would imagine for Joseph, there are probably many sleepless nights in his life. What in the world is going on? Was Mary telling the truth? she unfaithful? What happened here? All the drama that goes on, but I want you to write these two things down. Number one, the reality of his will. When you look at the will of God in life, there are many aspects to God's will. There's a moral will, and those are the right wrongs. Those are the do's and don'ts. The Bible makes it very clear that you are are not to mess around with sexual immorality. The truth of the matter is you are to flee sexual immorality. Why? That is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. That's his moral will. This is right. This is wrong. Absolute truth. Well, we also know that God has a permissive will as well. He allows things to happen in our lives. Mary and Joseph was living in the center of God's will. The reality of his will... There are going to be times God will allow something to come into your life, a storm, an adversity, a difficult season. Why? Because God wants to do something in your life that would not happen outside of that experience in your life. Sometimes he'll allow cancer. Sometimes he'll allow heart issues. Sometimes it'll be relational issues. Sometimes it may be a tornado, whatever it may be. But the reality of his will, he is in charge. He is in control. He is sovereign. So you have to realize that the drama is is God's work. He's going to use that because of the reality of his will. Here's his moral will, but here's his permissive will to you and me in life. And then number two, the purpose of his work. what is the purpose of his work here's what the purpose in this context was that mary and joseph were going to have a baby they were going to give him the name jesus and he was going to do what he was going to save his people from their sins he jesus changing the world and so why does god allow tornadoes to come why does god allow us to go through cancer why does god allow us to go through job loss Why does God allow us to go through storms and adversities and difficulties? Here's why he is working in your life and my life because he wants to conform us to the likeness of Jesus Christ. When you go through a storm and the storm is raging, it doesn't mean he has forsaken you. It doesn't mean he's abandoned you. It doesn't mean he's turned his back upon you. It means he is at work in your life. His permissive will is at work. Why? Because he is conforming you to the likeness of your savior and Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you look at it, drama is a part of that, but, but his will, but also his work. We see that in the lives of Mary and Joseph, God has a will, there's drama, but God is at work in the midst of their lives because he is working to bring about the birth of his son, the Lord Jesus. Number three, hope. The whisper is God's voice. When you look at God's word, how many of you are familiar with the story of Elijah and most of us in here are? If you study the life of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19, you realize that Elijah was at a very low, difficult point in his life. Mentally, he was a mess. Emotionally, he was at wit's end. Uh, physically, he even said they he wanted to end his life. He didn't want to live any longer. He was at a very difficult place in his life. And what happens? God told him to focus on self-care. You need to eat and sleep. Take care of yourself physically. God also gave him encouragement to say, don't you inflate reality. Everybody's not against you. There's a woman who's against you, but it's not everybody. But here's what God said to him in the midst of his despair and the most difficult period of his life coming off a mountaintop, he's now in the valley, is that you need to listen to God's voice. The whisper is God's voice. And what does that mean? Look at these things. Number one, the power of his word. In Matthew chapter one, the angel came And said to Joseph, consider these things. It was the voice of God. Is God still speaking to you and me? Yes, he's still speaking to you and me. Through the word, through prayer, the Holy Spirit, circumstances, other people, God is still speaking. Listen to his voice, but there's a power of his word. When I look at the word of God and I see the scripture, I look at it is inerrant, it is infallible, it is authoritative. This is the word of God. When I look at this book, the grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord never ends. His word is faithful. Isaiah 55, your word will never return void. It will always accomplish the purpose for which you sent it. You and I can trust the word of God. And so in Joseph's time of desperation, in his storm, the drama he was going through, God had a message. He spoke into, into Joseph's life. I encourage you, if you feel hopeless, let God speak into your life. Listen to his gentle whisper. Number two is the intimacy of his worship. But when you think about what's happening here, Joseph is worshiping the Lord. Why? Because God's speaking into his life. And if I ask you today, when you look at your relationship with the Lord Jesus, how many of you are stiff-arming him? Football players, if they're running to the, to the end zone and somebody's trying to tackle that person, they're very good at stiff-arming that other person. How many of us in life are stiff-arming God in life? How many of you are living as prodigals in relationship to him? You used to be close. You used to live an intimate life, but now instead of living intimate, what are you doing? You're living away from him. You're living in a far country. You're living as a prodigal. How many of you need the intimacy of your relationship with him again? And then how many of you are living close to Jesus in your walk and your life to him? Elijah, let's go back to his life. We look at Elijah. He was at a very, very low point in his life. Mentally, he was a mess. Emotionally, he was a mess. Physically, he was a mess. Wanted to end his life and see this life over. But God said, I want you to take care of yourself. I want you to realize everybody's not against you. And then you listen to my voice, and here's what happened. The voice of God wasn't in the wind. It wasn't in the fire. It wasn't in the earthquake. What was it? It was in the gentle whisper of God. His gentle whisper. For Elijah to hear the gentle whisper of God, he had to be living intimate and close with God. If you're hopeless, I encourage you to live so intimate with Christ that you can hear his gentle whisper in your life. Oh, if somebody shouts, you can be a long ways away to hear that. But if somebody speaks to you with a gentle whisper, you need to be near that person. Live your life the intimacy of his worship and you know this worship just isn't a Sunday morning thing that we do it is praise the Lord we get together on Sunday mornings come together to adore him and worship him but worship is a lifestyle it's what we do every single day of our lives we worship by singing we worship by praying giving the word we worship by serving we worship by obeying we worship him 24-7 because it's a lifestyle of who we are in Christ number four the comfort is God's presence. When you look at this text in Matthew 1, drama seemed to be hopeless. What am I gonna do? Am I gonna divorce her quietly? What am I gonna do? God spoke in this life. Don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. What has conceived her is from the Holy Spirit. And then what does he say? You are to give him the name Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God with us. The comfort is God's presence. I can tell you so many stories When my father passed away in a boating accident, I'm thankful for the comfort of God's presence. When I've walked with people through very difficult adversities and storms in life, and I see them come out stronger, they never lost focus on who God is, I'm thankful for the comfort of his presence. When I think about churches going through hard times and difficult times, they come out stronger, more united, more resilient to do the will of God and to take the gospel to the ends of the world. I am thankful for the comfort of God in life. He comforts us in all our troubles. Look at number one, the beauty of his promise. What's the promise? You're to give him the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. I just want to say to you, you find yourself in the hospital, God's with you. You find yourself in a counseling room, God is with you. You find yourself in the midst of losing your possessions and your your house and other things, God is with you. He's not going to abandon you and me. That's what Psalm 23 verse 4 says, what? Even though we walk to the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have anything to fear. Why? He is with you. The Great Commission is we make disciples of all nations. I am with you always to the very end of the age. Hebrews chapter 13 was to say, I'll never leave you or forsake you. God is not going to abandon you and me. Emmanuel means God with us. When you're on the mountaintop, God is with you. When you're in the midst of a raging storm, God is with you as well. He's faithful. The beauty of his promise. And when you look at God's word, there are over 7,000 promises in God's word. I just read from Hebrews chapter six just a moment ago, over 7,000 promises. The Bible says God never lies. He never breaks a promise. If he promised he was gonna be with us, church, he is always going to be with us because he's faithful. His mercies are new. His steadfast love never ends. He is faithful to every promise he made. Emmanuel, God with us. Number two, the magnificence of his name. You are to give him the name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. She knew not the good birth of a son and he called his name Jesus. I talked to a sister in Christ just a moment ago, standing right over here, driving down I-24 yesterday, raging storms. And she said, the only thing I need to do is just start shouting out the name of Jesus. There's something about that name the magnificence of his name. And they gave him the name Jesus. Savior, Lord, Messiah. His name is Jesus. Five hopeful actions. Let me finish here. Number one, dive deep into biblical truths. Rather than being hopeless, if you want to have hope, dive into biblical truths, dive deep into them. Spend time in God's Word. God, what are you saying in this passage? What does this mean for me? How am I to live this out? Find yourself in in the center of God's Word. Just read His Word. Pour your life into God's Word. I just encourage, if you don't have a Bible, if you'll see one of our Connect Centers today, someone there, we'd love to give you a copy of God's Word. Why? Because we want you to dive deep into biblical truths. God's Word gives us hope. Number two, live aware of God's presence. No matter how difficult the storm is, no matter what you're going through, whether it was from yesterday or another storm or adversity in your life, just live aware of the presence of God. He's not abandoned you. And so when you live aware of the presence of God, you run to him. You confess him, you embrace him. You don't run from him. You you don't say God's not fair and he's angry and he's not for you. No, you live aware of the presence of God if you're gonna have hope and you run to him, you trust him and you embrace him. Number three, express thanks for his unmerited favor. What's unmerited favor? It's grace. Church, let me say to us today, when it comes to unmerited favor, his amazing grace, you don't deserve it, I don't deserve it. You can't earn it, I can't earn it. It's a gift of Almighty God to you and me. And I just encourage you, receive His amazing grace. If you're going to live life with hope, receive the unmerited favor of God, His amazing grace, and express thanks for grace that saves us, that equips us, but helps us survive and thrive in the storms of life. Number four, stay connected to trusted people. Those are going to be trusted folks, brothers and sisters in Christ. You need the church. The church needs you. Don't run from the church when storms come. When you're hopeless, don't walk away from God's people. When you're hopeless, you need the people of God because, again, we can help you walk faithful to Christ and serve you and love you and help you. Number five, remain focused on heaven's glory. We all realize we're just passing through. Storms come, adversities come, difficulties come trials come but you realize when we focus on heaven's glory one day there'll be no more tornadoes one day there'll be no more cancer one day there'll be no more storms adversities trials there'll be none of those things why everything's old gone everything's become new one day in heaven everything is going to be perfect we'll be with the lord jesus christ worshiping him forever and forever when you feel hopeless remain focused on on heaven's glory and realize the best is yet to come for you and me in life. The best is yet to come. And uh, we're praying for grieving families. Again, I, I would never minimize, but I thank the Lord for him, him protecting people. I pray for those who've been injured to find healing and relief. And I pray for those who've experienced significant damage to find help and hope in their time of need because we don't have to live this life hopeless. We have hope. And again, it's not in politics, not in sports, not in the economy, in Jesus Christ, the Savior and Son of God. We have hope in him. Let's pray together. This morning as we bow together, as we pray, we're gonna give an invitation. If you need to give your life to Christ, I would encourage you to surrender your life to him today. As we just realized yesterday, yesterday, How uncertain and fragile life is. And I were coming down Madison Street yesterday, Chick-fil-A, doing a good business yesterday afternoon. I said, isn't life so diverse? Because on one side of town, we're still giving out chicken sandwiches and everything else. The other side of town, there's loss, there's grief, there's tragedy, there's panic. All in the same city. But I just encourage you, don't don't, don't take life for granted. Don't think you've got years upon years upon years to live and you'll make the spiritual decision sometime else in your life. You, You don't know that. I don't know that. I just encourage you today, I appeal to you today, if you don't know Christ, surrender your life to Jesus and ask him to forgive you and save you and give you the assurance of eternity with him. And then I want to encourage you, if you need to follow the Lord in baptism like we witnessed today, I wouldn't procrastinate on, obe- on obeying the leadership of Christ. So if you need to be baptized as a believer, not because you'll get saved. No, baptism doesn't save anybody. You're baptized because you are saved. You want to be obedient. You want other people to know that. Follow his leadership. If you want to join the fellowship of this church? Let it be today. You need to make, make another spiritual decision today. Our pastoral staff will be here. You can respond to us online, whatever platform you're watching on. We'd love to respond to you as well. But also want to say our prayer teams are going to be here. This altar is going to be open. If you need to come today, and I gave you that list of things, but maybe there are other things on your list that you just need to pray with somebody about. Seek the Lord. We're here to serve him and to serve you. This altar is open for anyone, individual, couple, family, who needs to come and pray and say, we just need the touch of God. We need direction, wisdom, guidance. We need hope. There's hope in him. So Lord Jesus, we have hope today because of you, because of amazing grace. Father, I pray for spiritual decisions to be made, public and private. I pray for people to have the freedom to come and to pray. I pray for people to have the freedom to say, I need hope. And I turn my eyes to the one who can give me hope and his name is Jesus. And Father, I will never get over being saved and I'll never get over saying thank you for amazing grace in life. So speak to us in this invitation in the room or those who are watching. And we give you the praise for any decisions that are made. And I pray this today in Jesus' name, amen.